Hi, friends. This is Michael, and welcome to the Christchurch Podcast. say right up front how this episode is going to go by saying what we are not going to do, (laughs) okay? Uh, Because of this space that we're in, because of the time limit that I personally set on our time together in these episodes, and because it may not even be helpful to do such things right now, we are not going to get into where Jesus was on Holy Saturday. Not not really, anyway. We've talked about some of this in a previous podcast episode, especially in that Apostles' Creed series. But for the sake of our time together now, we will not go through the different thoughts on whether Jesus descended to hell or just to the dead or to the depths, or we won't even talk about um, hell according to the Bible, like what the word hell means, or Sheol, or Gehenna, or Hades. We're not going to go into much depth on any of these things in this episode, okay? feel like I just needed to say that on the front end because we are talking about Holy Saturday because that's today. So what will we be talking about? And that's a great question. Thank you for asking. Let's get started. Here, before we go any further, here are two readings from the Gospel of Matthew and from the Gospel of John that are often read on Holy Saturday, okay? The first passage comes from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27, verses 57 through 66. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who was also a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. So Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn in the rock. He then rolled a great stone to the door of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there sitting opposite the tomb. The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, We remember what the imposter, what that imposter said while he was still alive. After three days, I will rise again. Therefore, command the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may go and steal him away and tell the people he has been raised from the dead. And the last deception would be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it as secure as you can. So they went with the guard and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone. Now, hear from John's Gospel, chapter 19, verses 38 through 42. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, though a secret one because of his fear of the Jews, asked Pilate to let him take away the body of Jesus. Pilate gave him permission. So he came and removed his body. Nicodemus, who had at first come to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes weighing about a hundred pounds. They took the body of Jesus and wrapped it with the spices and linen cloths. 
according to the burial custom of the Jews. Now there was a garden in the place where he was crucified. And in the garden there was a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. And so, because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. So what do we know about Holy Saturday from our gospel writers? Jesus was taken to the tomb that belonged to a disciple of his named Joseph. Uh, In John's gospel, we're told that the Pharisee Nicodemus even comes with burial spices and a lot of them, a hundred pounds worth. That's That's a heavy load of spices to prepare and wrap the body of Jesus in and then to lay him to rest in the tomb. They place Jesus' body in the tomb, and they roll a great stone over the entryway. Nothing can get in or out. So some of the Pharisees and the chief priests start talking, and they remember that Jesus has said, look, I'm going ra- to come back to life in three days, basically. I will, I will raise up in three days. So they go to Pilate, and they want some extra precautions taken. They get Pilate to send some of his guards to place them at the tomb so no one can do anything with Jesus' body, to make it as secure as they can, to quote the gospel. This is what they were ordered to do. Notice, Jesus is dead. Is that an obvious statement or what? (laughs) But I think it's one that needs to be said. Jesus is dead. He's not doing anything that we know of. Matthew's gospel tells us nothing about what Jesus is doing. John's gospel tells us nothing about what Jesus is doing. He's dead. His dead body is lying in a tomb. He's wrapped in linens and he's covered in spices. There are guards outside the tomb making sure it's sealed, that no one can gain access to his body. Here's where I'm going with all this. What happens when we die? What do we know? Like, what do, are you understanding the question? What do we actually know happens when we die? For those of us who have ever had to bury a loved one, or at least for those of us who have been to a funeral, what we know is that when someone dies, practically speaking here, we place their body in a casket or a coffin if they're not cremated, and then we lower them into the ground and bury them, right? Right? Then what? Nothing. Exactly. Nothing. That's where their body remains. I mean, hopefully, right? That's where their body remains to this day. In the plot of land that we had picked out for them to be buried. Nothing happens. After Jesus died, this is what took place. They took his body and they placed it in a tomb to be buried. And then what happened? Up to this point, right? What happened? Nothing. Nothing happened. Uh, the the gospels are pretty clear about this the only the 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 focus of the story is not on what jesus is doing according to matthew's gospel or john's gospel that we just read from right it's on like the pharisees and those who are burying jesus and those who are freaked out that jesus might actually come back to life because he said he was going to so they place guards outside the tomb they roll this big stone over the entryway they 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 make it as um as secure as they possibly can jesus isn't even the focus Jesus is dead. And can you imagine being one of his followers on a day like today? Can you imagine being one of the 12 
the one you have given up everything for is now dead. The person you thought was the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, the long-awaited Savior, the one who would topple over and overthrow empires and place Israel back in its rightful place with its own authority and rule, is now dead. You left family, you left vocation and job, you left home to follow this Jesus, and he is now dead. You listen to him speak for hours on end, on the daily, and he is now dead. You watched him heal person after person, and he is now dead. And what a way to die. He, he, wasn't, he didn't just die of natural causes. He was crucified. He was abandoned, completely alone. He was viewed and killed as the scum of the earth, degraded, dehumanized, cursed, as a common criminal, naked, ashamed, bloody. This is the one you gave your whole life up for? And this is how it all ends? With the body of Jesus rotting in a tomb not far from where he hung and died on a cross? What now? Where are you to go from here? I would imagine one had a lot of questions after Jesus was put in the tomb. If the Romans know you were associated with them, would they do the same thing to you? It makes sense then that the disciples hide out in an upper room with the door locked, right? I mean, do I go back home? Do I try to get my old job back? What do I tell my family? Are people going to say, look, I told you so. Just another crazy prophet. It makes sense that his followers would leave town embarrassed, afraid, or disappointed, does it? Doesn't it? It makes sense that they would go back to their homes and to their old way of life, for Jesus is dead, right? What else could they do? Death won again. Another quote-unquote God had come to earth promising incredible things and then died. Even the one who we really believed was the Messiah could do nothing against death, right? Right? See, that's what Holy Saturday feels like. For us in the church today, it's a time of solitude and silence. Because that's what it's like. We're alone again. Everything is silent. The hope we once had has been blown to smithereens. Can you imagine what it must have been like? Take some time today and think on these things. What if God wasn't real? Or what if the God that you believed in wasn't real? What if Jesus had never resurrected from the dead? What if your long-awaited hope had been murdered in front of you and was now lying dead in a grave somewhere? Isn't it true that we face questions like this in our own life today? If you, if you would allow me, let me just take a second to say something here. I think that it could be said of our lives right now that we live in a constant Holy Saturday. In saying that, I mean this. The cross has taken place. Jesus has died. And we know that the true Easter is coming, that Jesus is coming back. But there sure is a lot of silence. 
and death and violence and hatred and brokenness and pain and doubt and questions and disease and illness and darkness still prevalent all around us. And it sure seems that evil is still at work. It sure seems that the powers of sin and death are winning. I think you know what I mean. But can I share some good news with you? That would be nice, right? Yeah, good news. Death is not the final word. The darkness could not extinguish the light. Hate could not drive out love. Ben Myers reminds us that the message of the Bible is that death is not the end. It's a part of things for sure, but it's not the end. Myers says this. He says, death does not defeat God's promise. Death is not separation from God. In Jesus, God has dwelt among the dead. God has touched the very limits of our nature from birth to death in order to sanctify us and to unite us to God. The living has embraced the dead. Death has been subsumed by life. That's good news. So on Holy Saturday, we wait. We do not move too quickly to Easter. We sit in the dark. We pay attention to the evil. We notice the brokenness around us and within. We cry out to God, where are you? And we listen for God's voice. We stop. We anticipate something more. If anyone could defeat death, couldn't God do it? We wait in silence. And we wait because we know the rest of the story. The living has embraced the dead. Death has been subsumed by life. Hear the profound words of Karl Barth. It's a long quote, so hang with me. Karl Barth says this, God himself in Jesus Christ, his son, at once true God and true man, takes the place of the condemned man. God's judgment is executed. God's law takes its course, but in such a way that what man had to suffer is suffered by this one, who as God's son stands for all others. Such is the lordship of Jesus Christ, who stands for us before God by taking upon himself what belongs to us. In him, God makes himself liable at the point at which we are accursed and guilty and lost. 
he it is in his son who in the person of the this crucified man bears on Golgotha all that ought to be laid on us and in this way he makes an end of the curse grace and peace